Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, if you will. I'm just going to read eight of the verses uh, this morning, and then we'll get into our lesson. Did y'all see uh, the little thing that made its way around Facebook? Uh, Kroger, I think it was Kroger and Macon, put out the Halloween pumpkins because we had two days of cool weather, you know. They've got those big racks out front, and there was nothing there except two pumpkins. Just wait, baby, it ain't done. We have swarms of gnats that are showing up on radar. They're coming. So, Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the building of the temple, the buildings. And Jesus said, See not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one stone of these upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and the end of the age, the eon. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take man that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Listen, mark this in your Bible. Make sure you're not troubled. For these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. And what that means, well, let me pray for myself and for us. Father... I just ask this morning uh, that you would give me clarity of thought and an anointing of my words. We're not looking in the study of this to be inspired, Lord. We're looking to be uh, made wise and to give, be given knowledge that we, as I said earlier, might see horizontally but live vertically. That we would be people of salt and light and confidence in an age where men's hearts are failing them for fear. Anoint me this morning, Lord, to bring glory to your Son through the preached word. In Jesus' name, amen. National wars. Racial wars. Ethnic wars. Class wars. Generational wars. Religious wars. A divisive heart that stands and sides against one another. Worship wars. You hear about that in the church. That's just one of those phrases that just grieves my heart so much. What's a worship war? Well, the people split based on what type of music you play. They come to a specific service. We call it contemporary. But you split because, you know, we're different and we, it can, it's okay to have a preference, but when you, when you do battle, and you shouldn't say contemporary and traditional, you ought to just say loud and quiet. Y'all remember when I was young, man, I had the, uh, y'all don't remember Zayers? You remember the store Zayers? Mind blower. Y'all remember that stereo? Had the mind blowers in the back. And when you're young, turn it up. And as you get older, you go, turn it down. But churches will fight and split. And, you know, there there, there seems to be in, in, in this age petty wars as well as legitimate wars. The problem of racism in our nation 
and in the world is real. Real. Both directions. Predominantly, predominantly from an arrogance uh, towards one another. In the body of Christ, it shouldn't be that way. In the body of Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. And love is supposed to cover a multitude of these transgressions. You can even see it in sports. Now, I'm going to venture off just a little bit because I want you to see, always look behind the curtain. Look for the wizard there, the wizard to make sure you see what's going on. We have people that oppose people for something as silly as sports. Now, before we start laughing and making jokes, you need to understand that we're boarding millions of children. People are dying uh, from starvation, uh, atrocities, genocide, and we're screaming at one another because of what color your jersey is. Well, you don't understand what it's like. You're right, and I don't want to understand. It's just silly. We're in a generation that not only sees it, but participates in dividing and and opposing and debating and and fighting. It's a spirit of, of war. It happens, war happens because it's in the heart of man. And all that's inside of man will come out of man. Man cannot be at war with God and be at peace with one another. That's why we who walk with the Lord, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, ought to be peacemakers. What does that mean? It means you take the variables that you have and you make peace with them. It might not be complete peace, but as much as possible, you live at peace with all men. The sign of this world is conflict. The sign of the Christian. And by the way, let me just tell you. The leadership of the Holy Spirit, he always leads by peace. Peace with God gives me peace with you. We don't have to agree to be at peace and to love. The desire for and willingness to go to war individually, collectively, nationally, geopolitically. When I say war, I mean in any conflict. The desire and willingness to go to war happens because of unbridled lust. Turn in your Bible to James chapter 4, 1 and 2. We're going to read your Bible during this series. Is that okay? And go ahead and turn our cameras on for those that didn't bring a Bible. Just scan the sanctuary, put their picture up. Always look for a lady with a big purse. She got everything in there. Little Gideon Bibles and little small ones. James 4, are you there? So now when we study, see, you don't just study for the sensationalism of wars and rumors of wars. Let's go to the Bible and let the Bible interpret itself. Everything I've shared to this point was just framework. So now watch this. What is the cause of quarrels and fights among you and wars? Don't they come from the evil desires that are already at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. You don't 
have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you do, you ask it on your, based on your own lust to fulfill your own lust. God tells the believer, he said, I'll supply all of your need if you just ask me. But the reason for wars is because there's a war in your soul. And you are trying to obtain a status that someone else has, an economic status, a notoriety, a popularity, uh, a control, a power, something that someone else has. And believers, it's not that we're supposed to roll over and not have an opinion, but we understand that our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. My ki- our kingdom is not of this world. I don't have to take from you. Let me, let me give you a perfect biblical example. Abraham, who's the father, father of all of those in faith, right? He and Lot were traveling. He invited Lot to go with him, which was grace, when God called him out of the land of the Ur, the Chaldees. And God prospered them so much on their journey that there was contention among the workers because there wasn't enough well water and enough grass to feed all the flocks. So we have a problem. We're too blessed. Did you know some of the people in this room, your blessing is your cursing? You are so blessed that you don't have time for or you have forgotten God because we got to control all our possessions. That was just free. Just threw that out there. Just. So Lot says, what are we, we going to do? We, we don't want there to be fighting amongst us, which was a sub-issue. And he said, we, we're going to have to separate because God forbid that we would sell some of our animals and have fellowship. God forbid that we would lose some income and share our lives together because the goal is not Christian harmony or fellowship. The goal is possessions. Do you see? You see how the wars happen, the separation? So here, here's Abraham. Abraham says... All right. Uh, see, Abraham knew what it took me a long time to learn. You can't make anybody love you. And you can't make nobody stay. If people can walk away from you, let them walk. It's just, anyway. So he said, I tell you what, you just pick Lot. And whatever's left over, I'll take Wait, 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 brother John, wait. God gives us common sense and we're not, we're, we're supposed to be stewards of that which we've given us and Abraham by doing that is going to let an ungodly man take the blessing that God had given him. See, you count, you count in natural means and Abraham heard the voice of God on his journey. He said, you pick because you can't take nothing from me really. Because God's already promised me that he's going to make my name great and a great nation. And Lot chose for himself, not for Abram. So notice, and I'm going somewhere with this, the lust within his own heart. Doesn't matter what happens to Abram. And he saw Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah, and his Bible says it was like the Garden of Eden. And he chose that for himself. And Abram walks off, okay, you got the Garden of Eden, I got Osceola. Georgia. Is that below the net line? Hey, Hira, somewhere down there. That's what I got. And then God says, look around. Everywhere you see, I'm going to give it to you. We don't have to war with one another. 
Because what God has for you is for you. The promises of God are yes and amen. You don't have to fight with other believers over nothing. Years ago, at one of our first conflicts, and I know you would find this very hard to believe, but in 25 years of ministry coming up here, there are people that didn't like me. I know, I know. Listen, it's a crazy generation. And said some really crazy things. I'll just give you a couple of them just for humor's sake. One that I owned a nightclub downtown, and my wife did table dances at the nightclub. Seriously. That was just one of them. And I told my staff, I brought them in, and they was, have you, have you heard this? Well, do you think I've heard it? You know. I said, don't ever defend me to anybody. What do you mean? I said, do not ever defend me to anyone. Because even if I'm not guilty of what they've said, I'm far worse than what they say. Just leave it alone. Maybe God will reward me for treating his children based on my relationship with him instead of their relationship with me. You see what I'm saying? There was several years ago, I made a staff decision and the people it affected were not happy with me and two young boys uh, in their teens came to our elders meeting to kind of you know hijack the elders meeting to you know they need to know what John's doing you know kind of thing and I'm not being mystical and I'm not bragging I'm just telling you the story okay so knocked on the door we got up opened the doors me and the five elders and um there were two teenagers there. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord whisper to me. He said, be careful with my boys. Not audible. These are my boys. I said, y'all come in. Share your heart. And they shared their displeasure with me and some accusation. But they were just hurt. They were just, see, if you can just discern this, those of you that have relational conflict often, if you can determine if something is evil or immature, immaturity, if it's immaturity, give them a pass. Don't say nothing. Twice in your life, you've been immature. I know you don't know that, but twice. (laughs) So I let them sit down and I listened to them and I let them vent. And I said, first of all, I want to tell you something. And I remember my eyes just filled up with tears. I said, I am so sorry that my decision hurt you because you're my brother. You're my little brother. And I don't ever want you to be disappointed in me. But in leadership, when a leader chooses A, everybody that thinks B disagrees. And everybody, when you choose B, thinks A, they disagree. Don't think for a minute, I don't know that armchair quarterbacking doesn't go on after Sunday services and I said I just I just want to tell you that I'm sorry and would you would you pray for me that I would be a better pastor and that I would honor the Lord and I knelt in front of those two little boys by little I mean they were teenagers they're bigger than me but and they prayed for me and when they left I felt the Lord's pleasure so strong Because I'm learning, okay, we don't have to jockey for possessions or status or reputation. 
the plans God has for us will happen. No wars. No, no fighting. You know, it's the, you remember the Bible says that Jesus, uh, uh, I forgot the Old Testament prophecy exactly. One of them would be like a, little, like a, a, a worm, a tender worm that comes up, you know, meek. Uh, sorry, I can't remember the whole verse. But you know the difference between a snake and a worm? If you raise your foot at the snake, it'll hiss at you. And Jesus took shots and never reviled again. He left it between God to judge. So see, I'm contrasting what you see in the world. It should not so be with us. Stop trying to be right and be righteous. Every man's way is what? Right in his own eyes. All right. How did these wars happen? They happened because of envy. Satan, desiring to be like God, made a war in the heavenlies. It happens because of hatred. And hatred can be for a litany of reasons. It happens as a cycle of retribution. You did this to us, I do this to you. And when Jesus was reviled, he reviled not again. And when Jesus was smote, he smote not again. When Jesus was whipped, he whipped not again. When Jesus was cursed, he cursed not again. Blessed, happy to be envied are the peacemakers. That's the evidence of us in this world. It's not that we roll over and we have no will. It's that we walk meekly with the spittle running down our face. We stand for truth, but we don't war with people because we're wrestling not we wrestle not with flesh and blood but with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places wars happen because of our attempts at self-preservation it happens as a means of God's judgment you need to understand this we need to understand this when you're studying the geopolitical scene and that on the news God doesn't tell us when he's judging But all through the scripture, it speaks of God moving the heart of a king to come in to invade this land and judge this land for atrocities and things that you don't know about. Many wars are because of man's hatred, uh, self-preservation, and we'll get to profit in just a moment. But other times, God uses a nation, and he can use an ungodly nation to punish an ungodly or a godly nation. Wars happen because they're profitable. There you have it. That's your primary reason. Now, I know I'm going to get mail. My sun lamp just come on. (laughs) Merciful heaven. Can your retina melt? I feel some liquid... Lord, help our lights. They just, we're having surges, Lord. Where was I? We're past judgment, wasn't it? Okay, good. I didn't want to be just up here. Profitable. To the victor goes the spoils. Now, I love our nation. Listen, and this is not a political statement. Just listen to me. We're not a godly nation. It appears based on the information I've seen, 
we didn't go to Iraq for benevolence. Just, just, just a thought. The facts are, now I don't know why the decision was made. I wasn't in the room. But I'll tell you some facts that preclude that. Just leave it out there for you to process the information. Did you know that area of the world and that nation were in talks to come off of the petrodollar? Well known, well documented. And if they came off of the petrodollar, our value, our dollar could go anywhere down from 15 to 40% instantly. Because if you stop using the dollar and it's not the world standard and if it's not the petrodollar, petrodollar, and it just strikes me, and, and I'm not, anti- listen, I'm not, you know I'm grateful for our military, I'm grateful for the men it served, but if you think our nation is exempt from making decisions based on profit when the heart of our nation is Wall Street. Now, thank God for some of the godly things that happen, but we're not a godly nation. There's a remnant of godly people here. But wars have been started and continued for profit. And here's something you may not know. Sometimes it's not the nation that starts them. It's the world figures and part of the Federal Reserve, the Bilderberg Group and others, if you've done your study. They create wars. They fund the wars and take the interest on that money. And then they go in and loan money to rebuild the places that they bombed. And there's cyclical payment for the wars. And what's a few million people killed to them? For money. Follow the money. Now I'm telling you these things and I'm trying to run a thread alongside that shows how different the Christian is. Our life does not consist in the things that we possess. I don't ever want to get one over on you. I don't ever want to do a business deal where it's not win-win. And if you're not happy and, and, and you think I did a certain thing, just take it. Just, just, just take it because in the end, God doesn't close his books at the end of that day. We don't want to win over other Christians or over people. If it's not win-win, don't participate. Because you will find many opportunities. Christians will make statements. It just grieves me so much. Yeah, I got one over on them. I'm like, Power controlled is meekness. And when you have power to withhold information about that car you're selling and they go man I loved it do you know I actually had a lady one time I sold a car for a certain amount and it was uh, one or two years old and she said I just I think it's worth more than this I want to give you three more thousand than that and I hear some of y'all saying cha-ching I said no I can't take that what do you mean I said it's it's not worth that I'm getting a good price for this vehicle I, I can't take that now the same guy righteous John religious John holy John use an out of date coupon yes <laughs> smudge the date <laughs> have this is so embarrassing. 
have taken the buy one get one free off bread off one loaf See, y'all are all sanctified, ready for heaven. I'm in, I'm in process. I'm in process. <laughs> now, the other side of that is I've had to go in and tell them. I've had to go in and I, I, I took this back and I got more money than it was worth. I just went, like, what? I said, I just, let me just walk away. I just, you know. When you feed the need to have more than someone else, it leads to many, many painful memories for you and them. You can live wealthy and be a good Christian. But Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter the, uh, through, uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. We hear more about wars and rumors of wars today because of global communications and live media. They were going on back in my mom's day and before, but, you know, when you got three channels on the TV, you know, UHF, VHF, and your children with the antennas. How many of y'all were antennas besides me? I'd hold one antenna, my brother hold one antenna, and then we put aluminum foil in the little brother. And you do this and bring the antenna in. You couldn't hear but so much. Now, I'm, lo- I'm using humor to lodge it in your brain. The Bible says at the end of time that the, uh, a knowledge would increase and accelerate. We have not had opportunity to hear rumors of wars until this generation. How does word get to you from across the globe before there's satellites, before there's streaming media? You remember the scripture where it says in the last days, uh, people will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. Do you remember that verse? When could you heap teachers until now? Think about it. I remember when we had cassettes, you know, and you'd get the cassettes and have to use your pencil, you know, to turn that thing and get the, but you, you could only see them like if you traveled to the church and you'd buy all the cassettes that you could buy. But now... You can store 100,000 sermons on your drive, listen, of who you want to hear. So I really want you to catch this. I want it to be an encouragement to you. For you to be able to hear wars and rumors of wars, you have to be in a time frame where that is possible. And we hear it daily. We see it daily on the news. We can select uh, what we watch, who we listen to. But these are not the, this is not the end. Jesus said these are like contractions. Contractions. The baby's not here, but it's evident that the baby is there. That the baby is coming. Number two. Financial instability and failure. Now, this may sound pessimistic, but it's not. Listen, Scripture, regardless of your prosperity preachers, and listen, guys... This stuff on Christian television. You ain't got to run it through but one filter and it's not, it'll stop. But just run it through over and over and over and over. God's goal is holiness, not happiness. 
We are to be identified not by what we own, but by who owns us. And godliness with contentment is great gain. That doesn't mean you don't work hard. It don't mean you have goal, don't have goals. It means that whether I ever I achieve them or not, I am fine with God. And the love of money, not the having of it, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And do you not find it strange that one of the signs of the, of the last day, the end of the age, the end of the age is the collapse of financial system because men love money. They love pleasure more than love God. And money provides that opportunity for pleasure. Now these are staggering. And this is uh, shock value with math. Any math nerds here? Any math nerds? How many of you are really good at math? Has anybody told you they hate you today? Uh, (laughs) Math major. (laughs) What would you major in? P.E. You know... (laughs) (laughs) lunch (laughs) okay I'm sorry you're smarter than us but you have to account for more than us when you get to heaven okay listen to this statistic listen according to the institute of international finance this is January of this year the global debt is 244 trillion dollars the global debt which is more than three times the size of the global economy. I want to present something to you where you say, oh, that's just scare tactic. No, it's math. Baby, it's just math. Stop, you know, the, the lady with the video and the bomb going off. Just, just do math with me. Okay, individual account. You got your checkbook. Austin's got his checkbook here. I open it up. He ain't been posting all his checks, but he's got duplicate checks, so he can go back and fill in the blanks. And if Austin has $2,000 a month coming in, and he's spending $100,000 a month, I don't have to be a prophet to tell him, it don't look good for you. Now listen, and I can step out and say, you are going into bankruptcy. Oh, that's just that, oh, see that church, that's just scare tech. No, it's math. It's just math. When the world owes $244 trillion, three times the global economy, that's the debt. He says, I'm going to pick up some shifts. You make right now $2,000 a month. I'm going to give him a raise, $3,000 a month. He's thirty-six grand, And you're losing $100,000 a month. And you're going to pick up some shifts. Yeah, we're going to make some cuts. I'm going to bring that into focus for you. You ready for some math crunch? My math nerds are going, give it to them. Give it to them, baby. Just let them see it. They got the calculator. It's right out of the pocket with the protector. Ready to go. Our national debt, and I don't know if we have this on the screen. The guy said they were going to try to pull it up for us. Listen to this. The nation tells us that it's $22 trillion, But according to truth and accounting, we owe $117 trillion. A hundred and seventeen trillion dollars. So a trillion is a million million, right? Okay. I'm going somewhere with this. It's not all just to make you... I'm going to the bank. I'm taking all my money up. Well, it might not be a bad idea. Okay, listen. Global debt, 244. National debt, 
22 trillion or 117 trillion. Either way, you're you're done. Okay. The household debt today is $46 trillion. So what does a trillion dollars look like? If you laid $1 bills end to end, a trillion dollars would carry that line to the moon. A dollar bill to the moon. If you spend $1 million a day since the birth of Jesus Christ, that would only be $787 billion. And we owe... 117 trillion. I don't care who you have in president as a president. I don't care how great the stock market is doing. Listen to your pastor. The world is broke. The nation is broke. It doesn't matter what they're showing you on CNBC, NBC, Fox, ESPN, CBS. It doesn't matter. It's math. And to see it just gives you power when you understand everything in this world, it's gone, it's already spent, it's gone. I need to lay up for myself treasures in heaven where moth nor rust can get to. There are no real assets. One statistic says that the national debt, to pay off the national debt, if every person participates, and we got people not even working, so you know, some can't, some won't, fine. It, to pay it off, $744,000 a head. Anybody want to help? Anybody can stroke me one check? I'll call them up. We got one. We got one at Christ Chapel. 744000 So what, is it, what do you mean, Brother John? Do we just stop working? Do we stop planning? Do we stop going on vacations? No, you use it. You use the money, but you have no faith in it. My only security... Is in Jesus Christ the Lord. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground, all other systems, all other politicians, all other governments, all other anything is sinking sand. And God gives it to us. We have statistics we can look at. I ain't trusting in that. Imagine a conveyor belt. Some of you, I hope, will never forget this. Imagine a conveyor belt. This is where we live. And there's a huge 100,000-mile fire there. And the conveyor belt dumps into the fire. And everything you own is on that conveyor belt. And you spend your life trying to put it back at the end of the conveyor belt. It's all going to be destroyed. Whatever you don't send ahead is going to be destroyed. And everything you send ahead will be kept forever. It's not to make you fearful. It's to make you educated. I don't mean you can't go out and have a nice dinner. I'm glad to drive a car that cranks. Thank you, God. Anybody ever drove a hoopty in here beside me? A hoopzilla is what I had. Okay. Don't say you have if you had anybody ever laid hands on your car beside me. And then you hear this voice, we are many. <laughs> Leave you. We will not come out.
I went to pray over mine one time. It was just a sweet spirit. It said, deferred maintenance. That's the problem. Deferred maintenance. You just didn't maintenance your car. All right, I'm going to give you some more. This is shop value, okay? A, d- a dollar a second. If you paid a dollar a second, it would take you 11 and a half days to pay back a million dollars. Oh, that's nothing, baby. Watch this. If you paid a dollar a second, it would take you 32 years to pay back a billion dollars. If you paid a dollar a second, it would take 31,688 years to pay back a trillion dollars. And we owe $117 trillion. John, what are you saying? I'm saying make sure that you're tied to a proper foundation. And make sure that no matter how wealthy you are, you have no trust, no reliance. Money is just something passing through. And if God's given you great capacity to make wealth, invest it in others. But no trusting in it because money, riches is fleeting, the Bible says. Gone. I remember got my first job at 15. And you're supposed to be uh, 17 or 18 working at Shane's Steakhouse. I got my check. You remember getting your little first check and you work like a dog washing dishes, uh, bussing tables. I mean, you're, anybody ever worked in a kitchen and you got your galoshes on and the grease and the stank and it's, it's, it's pungent. It's washing those dishes and it's, you, you open that little latch and the steam, all your eyelashes fall off, just, just burn. Oh, y'all worked there. And you come out the back, John, get the dishes. I got my, my check stub and I said, who is FICA? Hey, hey, we got a problem. Because I've been doing math in my head, 61 hours, overtime, $7 an hour goes up to $9 an hour. I, done, I, said, I just need to meet him, to talk to him, I work something out. Well, no, John, this is for all the other people who don't work. We give them your money. What? I don't like them either. What I want you to see in these two points, and then I'm going to close with just bringing this together. What I want you to see in these two points. When you're studying Bible prophecy, don't get caught up in the scare tactic. Don't get, but, but don't, let me tell you, oh, it's so hard. I feel so unqualified My vocabulary is not good enough, but I pray I get the basics across to you. The church is oblivious to what's going on. We're going to do the next four sermons on superheroes. How Jesus is like the Hulk and how Jesus is like Spider-Man. And I'm thinking, time out. Christ is at the door. He's at the door. And I'll have Christians that are very sincere. I just, it, just, it just makes me nervous to talk about I know. Watch what the church is doing. I'm going to show you. And watch what the world's doing. We are, Christians are being slaughtered by the thousands at a time overseas. And we are inundated with what Kylie Jenner's doing. Or, you know, Bruce or... Uh, uh, don't you know Mother's Day is hard at that house? What do you, what do you, or Father's Day, what do you, what do, you do? Just both? Uh, you know, 
But if you watch the news, if you watch the news, or okay, the news, that little 30 minutes, here's what the world says. Oh, I can't hardly watch that. It makes me feel bad. I'll watch the 23 and a half hours of distraction being programmed so I won't have a clue of what's going on in the world around me. Church does the same thing. Church ought to be a place that opens your eyes, opens your heart, opens your soul, gives you clarity, makes you center in on Jesus, makes sure that all your eggs are in his basket, making sure that there's nothing between you and God, looking towards heaven, aware of all that's going on around you with no fear whatsoever. That's the balance of wisdom. Sorry about it, Bruce. I just I saw you on the Wheatie box. I can't. That's just Bruce. That's all I know. Okay. So what does this word have for us today? Very quickly, five things and we're done. Don't be surprised, unaware, or misinformed. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Because you know, he said, it's no mystery. You know that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, you brethren, are not of the, of the darkness. That that day would overtake you as a thief. You're children of light and the children of the day. We're not of the night, but of darkness. Therefore, stop sleeping like other people. Wake up, is what he's saying. Be watchful, be sober. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain, obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So a moment ago, I forgot to mention this. This is what I was heading to. When you study Bible prophecy and when you watch the news... You can narrow it down to just watch for three things, okay? If you're taking notes, this is critical. This will make Bible prophecy so easy for you, okay? The events around us must be heading to a culture that will fulfill biblical prophecy, okay? One world economy. So if the financial systems collapse... uh, I'm not so certain that it won't be just a financial reset. I've studied into it to where one political figure, whether it's the Antichrist or whether uh, our president or someone comes up with a, okay, Jubilee, all debts are canceled. That guy's voted in with everybody that owes what they owe. You follow me? And you start over. But if it leans towards, if the news pushes towards an economy collapsing or a one-world economy, that's connected to prophecy. If it pushes towards a one-world government, how many of you honestly, every day, hear the word globalism? Every day. Okay. If you hear that, it's attached to prophecy, directly or indirectly, because we have to walk towards and create a culture where the man of sin, who will just be a geopolitical figure, will step on the scene and bring to light... To give birth to that which has already been prepared. My mother's already cooked for today at lunch. Beef tips and rice. What else we got, mama? Corn, what else? Green beans, potatoes, apple cobbler, apple crisp. It's all waiting on me. Oh, yeah, it's waiting on me. Yeah, yeah. I'm dieting, though. I'm I'm on uh, slim fast right now. 
It's great over nachos. You just pour it over there. It's real good. It's real good. And I'm telling you this. See, I've got to listen. This is a gift. You can lighten up a message like this. You've got to be able to make it palatable. Okay. Everything she did yesterday and this morning, the only way I can walk in the house is if it was being prepared. So now you see the instability of our financial systems, okay? And if you think 08 was something, you think we had a bubble then? I'm grateful for the economic decisions that have been made for our nation. I'm grateful. But when you can take your debt and go to the moon and back 35 times, we're broke. I'm sorry, we're broke. But don't let it make you afraid. Listen, this has got to happen. This has to happen. We have to be ready to go into a one-world currency, a one-world government, and the biggest one that's so obvious, we'll get to in a later lesson, is a one-world religion. And it's not going to be a religion saying you have to worship this way. Your pastor believes the one-world religion is this relativism. Whatever you believe is fine. All-inclusive. God's in the air. Breathe him. <gasps> That, that's fine. Come on on stage. We're all brothers and sisters. No, we're not. So you see this culture that's pushing and ostracizing the Jew, anti-Semitism and anti-Christian, is a spirit of anti-Christ. And all those things are coming together. Okay. So Jesus is telling us, don't be surprised or misinformed or uninformed. You're children of the light. Watch these things. If we're going towards one world government, if we're going towards one world currency, and if we're going towards one world religion... Christ must be at the door. And I've been waiting all morning to tell you this. I'm going to insert it here very quickly. Uh, When they asked him what's the sign of the end of the age, he didn't mention the rapture because it was a mystery. Why didn't he mention the rapture? Because it was a mystery. And he revealed it to Paul to tell it to the church. He was telling them what the day of the Lord would be. The day of the Lord is a time of Jacob's trouble, of great suffering. And if God didn't shorten the length of those days, no flesh would be saved. But somewhere before or in the early part of that or the middle part of that, Christ comes for his church. And we're not children of the darkness. We can tell. We can feel. We know. I'm amazed at the believers that never talk about the Lord coming for us. I'm like, you don't feel it? You don't? Well, my grandfather felt it and his grandfather felt it. The Bible says, be aware that in the last day there will come scoffers that say, what of his coming? Ever since time began, they've been talking about him coming. No, he's coming. Because the day of the Lord, the, the, the contractions are happening now. And the return of the Lord for the church is right at the same time. So I'm, I'm looking any day. Any day. Number two, don't be worried. I told you, don't be surprised or misinformed. Don't be worried. Matthew 6, it said, don't be anxious for your life. What you're going to eat or drink. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than them? Can you add a single hour to your life? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And in Solomon's kingdom, there's never been one adorned with so much glory. And today it's beautiful, and tomorrow it's thrown into the oven of summer. Don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry. Don't worry. Whether you die by accident, whether you die by old age, whether you die by disease, 
or persecution. It's been appointed unto man once to die. Everybody dies. There's nothing to fear. That's why Christians, when they're being martyred for their faith, I love the story of Simon Peter, and they, this is the one that denied Jesus, and they go to uh, nail him to the cross, and then right at the very end he said, would you flip me upside down? I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. Turned him upside down, slammed him in the ground. They would light the streets as human candles, and they would dip them in this tar and oil and light them. Because they knew as soon as their body shut down and their eyes closed, they'd be in the presence of the Lord. The West can't hear about nothing like that. They watched their children overseas today, today. Put a knife to their kid's throat and say, denounce Jesus Christ or your boy dies. Your little girl dies. And we can't even come to church on time. I'm telling you. They risk their life to go to church. And we need to wake up and understand that the day of persecution, the day of the, the earth, the, the, the groanings and the contractions, well, that, that makes me uneasy. Well, it ought to. If this is the terminal generation, we got to make sure that our hearts are His, that all of our fountains are in Him. And there's nothing that we wouldn't give Him. When, that gives new meaning to when Abraham offered Isaac. He said, Daddy, I see the rope and I see the fire. Where's the sacrifice? What does a man feel in that moment? He said, God will provide. And the Bible tells us that Abram knew that even if his boy died, God could bring him back to life again. A trust in him. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. God told you what would happen. I love, last year, God allowed me to preach a message in a series like this in 2018. He said, what is going on? God's keeping his word. See, instead of making me afraid, it really has done the opposite. I'm like, to the letter. So that means if nothing can separate me from your love, I'm good. If you're coming for me, I'm good. If my name's written down in heaven, I'm good. If my name's in the Lamb's book of life, I'm good. If I'm going to be a pillar in the temple of God and go no more out, I'm good. If the foundation of God stand as sure that the Lord knows who are His, I'm good. Afraid. No, I'm, I'm aware and I'm concerned. I'm concerned for my babies that have to grow up in this mess. But one day very soon, me and my whole house may just vanish. Gone! In the twinkling of an eye. Uh, you believe that, you better know it. Unashamedly. Well, I don't believe it. Jesus gave me a vision. I, well, I'm going through the tribulation. I believe you. <laughs> Stay, if he told you. <laughs> and if we go through the tribulation, he's still coming for me. Whether pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, he's coming for me. Because he paid for me. Don't be dismayed. 2 Peter 2, 9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment to be punished. And don't be foolish. Don't stop reading the signs because it makes you feel uncomfortable. That's like, have y'all been noticing all these things in the news about flesh-eating diseases and back... And I'm not making, I know those are people's lives, but that's like you go swimming on Tuesday and you die Friday. 
you know, I had a buddy of mine that was really big and got a flesh-eating disease, and they gave him 30 years to live. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. Kelly, it's been bad today. Please pray for me. But just, yeah, I better come on down <laughs> after all this. I just see this on the news, and the man said, I went in swimming, and I had a little nick on my ankle, and then they cut his leg off, you know, half his leg off. So I go to Florida, and I see this little alcove tributary, and it's as green as this floor. I think to myself, <laughs> I'm not stepping in there. I'm just not. Or if you go to the ocean and it looks as clear as it can be, you, mamas are looking at the babies, pull your fingers apart. Let me see. Is there any, any nicks of cuts or nothing? Baby going in there with a hazmat suit. <laughs> what God's word is telling us here is don't be foolish. Be sober. Understand that these things must happen. But you're not children of the darkness. It's going to come upon the world. And see, this has to happen. I'll finish with this. This has to happen so that the Antichrist can step in and fix things. You're talking about a political figure. And you think our president has caused an uproar, good or bad. Wait till this guy comes on the scene and fixes everything. And then they go, peace and safety. Then, at that moment, sudden destruction comes upon the world. And unless God shortens the days, no flesh would be saved. So don't be foolish. Be wise. Redeem the time. Austin, if we're going to minister, we've got to minister. Jason, if we preach, we're going to have to preach. We've got to redeem the time. We can't waste it on foolishness. I can't be half world, half God. The the signs of the end are not to make the Christian fearful. They're to sober us and go, I got just a little bit of time. I got to teach the class. I got to go into prisons. I got to worship. I got to get right. It's like, you know, the two weeks before vacation. You got more productivity than the last two years at work. Some of y'all are on fire. (laughs) You can't stop me. You can only hope to contain me. Vacation's coming. Christ is coming. Get busy. Okay, I know it was heavy material. Did we ease it somewhat? Okay, I want us to offer the Lord our worship this morning. We got one song, and then Chris is going to give us announcements and praise. So, guys, if you will dim these lights and turn this. Y'all, come on. We're going to offer the Lord this song of worship this morning. Very easy to follow along with. Let your hearts overflow for the joy of the Lord and his promises to you. Shout joyfully to the 